welcome to episode number 10 of the Todd Pod. My guest today on the Todd Pod, the great John Kurtz. Uh, we're going to tell you all about how you can find John's stuff. John is a Kansas State guy, right? K-State alumni, right? Alumnus, yep. I guess yep. is the proper term. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about conference realignment, a little bit about Kansas State and how it's all shaking out for them. But we'll do this at the end as well, John. But before we get started, just for those that don't know who you are, tell them about how you got to doing what you're doing now with the content that you put out about conference realignment, the Big 12 and Kansas State. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a winding road. I, I spent 10 years doing local radio in Manhattan and uh, working with K-State. I was doing pregame for football and basketball for K-State, hosting a daily radio show, and then uh, did some TV broadcasts for like ESPN3, the kind of third-tier uh, TV stuff there at K-State for a while, too. Um, eventually left that. Now I'm just working. Uh, I'm, I'm just a corporate lackey these days. I'm working a corporate day job, but uh, I have a, a YouTube channel that's all Big 12-focused, conference realignment-focused, just John Kurtz on, on YouTube if you want to find that. And Lucky enough, I actually have Texas and Oklahoma to thank for that because it, it used to just be a tiny, teeny, tiny little K-State channel until uh, conference realignment came up in July 2021, and it, it kind of exploded after that. So I've uh, been doing that. I have a K-State podcast on KC Sports Network as well called Three Ma uh, with a couple guys that are in similar positions to me, one still on the beat, one not on the beat. But uh, it's been great. It's been great. I get to kind of get the best of both worlds now and uh, it's still – Followed the passion that I had, which was co honestly college football, man. That's that's how I got into this. That's what I love. And uh, it's, it's great to be able to continue to do that. Well, you mentioned July 2021, John. It has been an absolute roller coaster for uh, all college football fans. But I would imagine especially Kansas State fans since July 2021. Let's go back to, I think it was July 21st. It was right around the SEC media days when the story comes out in the Houston Chronicle that OU and Texas are bolting to the SEC I would imagine there was a lot of trepidation, a lot of uh, a lot of wondering what was going to happen next from the Kansas State side of things. So what was the initial reaction when all that went down a couple years ago? Well, I mean, honestly, I remember looking down. I was I had a radio show all prepared and the news broke maybe like three, three fifteen. And I, I went on the air at four. And so I'm pulling in at about three fifteen. I remember getting a text from someone. They're like, hey, is this legit? Like Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. And the reaction was, oh, bleep. I mean, like that, that was it. Like I had been through it once. Um, I was an intern at Sports Radio 810 in uh, Kansas City in 2010, like summer of 2010, when everything started going down with Nebraska, Missouri, Colorado. Um, and I remember covering it then and how helpless it felt then. And, and you thought K-State was going to be in the Big East at one point. There was a lot of talk about that, like KUK State, Iowa State going to the Big East. And so it just brought back all these horrible memories instantly. And I had just been at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas where Bob Bowlesby, like four days before that, had sat at a podium and said, I, yeah, I don't think realignment's coming back around anytime soon. Like it was not anywhere near my radar at all. So it was it was jarring. It was scary. And, you know, I mean, I'm someone that at the time, my entire livelihood was based around K-State athletics. And I think that's that's a piece of this that frustrated me at first, the way it was all covered. And this still works today with like Washington State, Oregon State, the positions that they're in. But it just felt like nobody, there was no regard at first for uh, everybody, all, all the collateral damage that goes along with conference realignment, which has just been a crazy piece of this all to follow. But yeah, I think it was just scramble mode. Like, what do we do now? I remember the original aftermath was like Kansas, you know, the rumors about Kansas to the Big Ten. And you're like, man, we're going to get left behind here as KU goes to the Big Ten and joins the crowd that's left the Big 12, the other conferences. Um, it was just not good. It was not good. But I think that was really the genesis for what we have today, which is a much 
stronger rebuilt Big 12 with a lot of schools that have this camaraderie together like they've been through the fires. They've been through the battles of being close to death, like staring death in the face, not once but twice uh, for a lot of these schools in the in the so-called hateful eight. Um, so it just kind of laid the groundwork for what we have now. And it's been an unbelievable transformation to see what has happened to this league that, you know, for, you know, as well as I do, Todd was just for a decade plus just a punchline uh, all the time. And now that that's far from the case now with what your mark has been able to do. So when it all went down back in July of 2021, um, you know, in Oklahoma, we obviously heard the Oklahoma side of things and the Oklahoma state side of things. And they were two obviously very different points of view, but in Kansas, with Kansas fans, and obviously you, you've got the beat on Kansas State fans, who did they blame for Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC? Was the blame on OU and Texas? Was it on uh, Bob Bowlesby? Was it kind of on everybody back in that at that time? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, there's like, you know, you're just kind of spraying and praying at everybody. Like, there's a little bit of like everybody's catching some stray bullets on that. But I think most of it seemed concentrated toward Texas. And, and for me personally, that's where a lot of my ire has always been directed here. I guess I'll address the Bullsby part of it first, because I think he took a lot of crap, but I don't really know what he was supposed to do in that situation. I, I don't know that there were many people that would have been able to stave that off. Um, I, I've heard some thought like, hey, Oklahoma and Texas actually really liked Brett Yormark, and maybe that's past tense now after his comments recently at, uh, at Texas Tech in Lubbock. But uh, that, hey, if he had been in place at that point in time, maybe he's but like, OK, no, nobody was making that sort of a hire back that like the climate was not right for that to happen. So it just Bullsby was the type of guy that you were going to have there. And I don't think I mean, Texas was always going to try to do something like that, I think. Um, so I, I think he did a pretty good job in damage control mode, and I appreciate him for that. And I don't hold a whole lot of ill will toward him. Um, Oklahoma, it was like, hey, look, Oklahoma has you know, Texas would talk about subsidizing the league a lot when they were leaving. Like we've subsidized this league forever. The term I kept using is like Oklahoma competitively subsidized the league for two decades. You know, I mean, ever since Bob Stoops rolled into town, Oklahoma was the team that was giving the league national respect on a consistent basis. Obviously Texas had the end of the Mac Brown era there, but I mean, Oklahoma was the team doing it year in, year out and actually making the college football playoff and, and kind of keeping the league on the map. Well, while, while Texas was just scuffling. So you know, it just felt like to me, it was, Texas is like the daddy's money trust fund kid that, you know, is rolling around with an attitude and trying to make all the rules. And that, that was it was just much easier to disrespect them and, and direct a lot of the blame toward them uh, when it felt like Oklahoma was just kind of doing what it had to do. Because, if look, if Texas is leaving, I get it. Like, you, you probably do have to leave and you have much more of a right to say, like, hey, we've done what we can here. Uh, we're going to move on to greener pastures. And it's easier for me as a, as a K-State fan and somebody that have been covering the league for a while to be like, all right, I understand. I get that. I had a little more understanding for the Oklahoma piece of things. And I think, I think that's held true throughout the fan base. I just have not sensed nearly as much ire toward the Sooners uh, from most people at, at K-State. How much of that you think is the, the, um, the ties in with Kansas State and the, the OU football program with A, Bob Stoops, and now B, Brent Venables? And even guys that, like Mangino and other guys who have coached at Kansas State and then been at Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a fair point. Um, I think some of it too could even be as as simple as you know. So that that happened in 2021. K State had beaten Oklahoma in 2019. Uh, they would go on to beat Oklahoma, obviously again. Um, so I think some of it is maybe like, hey, they were the team that you were actually beating, so there was less consternation there. Whereas Texas. 
K-State for a while, you know, there was the We Own Texas thing going on. Well, now they've lost every game they've played in football since 2016 to Texas, which, you know, obviously still digs at me as I say that. Um, but that's the reality. I think there was just a little more like mutual respect on all sides of it. But I, I think you you hit on a huge factor there. Like, yeah, I mean, there have always, there's always been that link. Um, Bob Stoops obviously starting his time under Bill Snyder and building the program from the ground up, man. Like, say what you want about how things went down in 98 with Stoops taking Venables and Mangino. Um and Mike Stoops, I guess, was involved in that too. But look, they they built the program from literally nothing when they're having to practice without like a full offensive line because they don't have enough dudes to do it and got it to the point where they were winning 11 games six out of seven years. So I think there, there's a – even if it's begrudging sometimes, there's a real appreciation for what those guys actually did there and, and the Snyder coaching tree. So um, I, I think there's a lot. It's just it, – it goes further back. There's There's much more of a history with Oklahoma – um, and, and because of that, there's just a lot more mutual respect there, I think. Yeah. So we've seen now in Oklahoma, the Bedlam series football wise is done for probably at least another 15 years or so, and maybe never will come back in our lifetimes because scheduling is just tough to do. Who knows? They may be in the same conference in six or seven years, the way college football is going now, but it seems like it's done. We saw Texas and Texas A&M went away for a long time and now it's going to be back in the SEC. Is there has there been and this is going to sound weird because I know you're a K State grad, but has there been a little bit of an appreciation for the fact that you still have that rivalry in conference with Kansas? Um, have I'm not saying you guys are singing Kumbaya together, but is there kind of a mutual respect now that you guys have kind of gone through this together and made it through the other side? Mutual respect. I don't. I don't know if it's mutual respect, but I will say that I I have a, an appreciation for the fact that the rivalry continues absolutely. Um, and I, I will actually reference Missouri to kind of hammer the point home. K State is as we speak here getting ready to play Missouri this weekend, and it's the second year in a row it's happened. And last year, man, like I had kind of it was out of sight, out of mind. I really hadn't paid much attention to Missouri, but to kind of get back in the mix with Missouri fans and Eli Drinkwitz does a good job of kind of adding fuel to the rivalry by just being him. Uh, he's pretty good at that. It's just been fun to be like, hey, man, like this is a regional rival. Like I. I'm going to be going to Columbia this weekend for the first time since 2004. And I, I went two or three times. Watch, as, out, as watch out for batteries. Watch out for batteries. That's what I hear. Listen, man, I've been to Boulder too, where they put beer bottles under my car tires when we were trying to leave. So I'm, I've got some experience there. Welcome back to the big 12 Colorado, by the way. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, but it's just, it's cool to have that back. And it's a game that I'm like, these teams should be playing every year. Like, you know, it's kind of fun to have that back in the back and forth going with everybody. So because of that, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like that could all be taken away pretty quickly um, in, in all of this. And it, it sucks that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is going away. So, yeah, I very much think that's their mutual respect. The problem is right now, Todd, like K-State basketball is as good as it's been in a long time. And Kansas football is as good as it's been in a long time. And then football and basketball at each of the respective schools are still humming along too. So it's like because of that, it's as chippy as it's ever been. I mean, it is right. – you can't – you cannot move without having a fight between a KU and a K-State fan right now because everybody's puffing out their chest about everything. So the rivalry has kind of taken on a new shape here in the last couple of years. So I went to college in Ottawa for a year, and I had a lot of people that I knew that they claimed to be Kansas basketball fans and K-State football mm -hmm. fans. Do those people still exist? I mean, I, I kind of didn't like them back then, but do they still exist nowadays? There, there's not nearly as much of that, I okay, don't say. Good. Now, so – I grew up in the the Kansas City area, Overland Park, like a suburb, and uh, like Johnson County. It's the most affluent part of of uh, Kansas City, and I only mention that because like 
my perception of it growing up was like there were just so many kids that were like, oh, you know, these rich kids that just love KU basketball because like that's the thing to do and the thing to like. And so it drove me crazy, all the bandwagon stuff. Like I think that pushed me even further to the the K-State side that I was already pretty dug into because of family history. So, um, yeah, and you saw you saw more of that back then when there was so much more of a contrast between, you know, the, the different programs there. But now – pretty tough in today's day and age. Like if you're, if you're trying to be the K-State football, KU basketball, I mean, you look at KU's football team, it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's easy to be a fan of. Like, I get it. I understand it. Jerome Tang is awesome. Like, you know, if you're going to be just Kansas basketball, like it's, it's hard to hate Jerome Tang and what's going on with basketball there. So I think, I think that's a dying breed. I, they, I also always heard about the J skirts, you know, the people like Nebraska football, Kansas basketball, maybe there's still some of that going on, but I don't see as much here. I don't think there's a whole lot of people that are claiming Nebraska football right now, John. Um, <laughs> I will say, uh, I will say the one thing we do have mutual love for, uh, I guess mutual hate for, because as a six-year-old growing up an OU basketball fan, I had one of my biggest days ever ruined by Danny Manning and Kansas basketball. At least we have a mutual hate for Kansas basketball. And I'll say it if you won't, Bill Self wears a toupee. Will you get with me on that? <laughs> You'll agree with me yeah. on that, right? I, you know what? I, I feel like I have to. I feel okay. like I'm obligated to. I the weird thing is I Bill Self is such a damn affable guy. I have a hard time hating on him too much, but yes, I think the rumors are true there. Yes. I mean, listen, I, I'm saying he has a toupee because it's the only thing I can give him any hell about because he yeah, wins right. every single basketball game. It seems like he coaches. So um I do want to ask you, John, about K State football this year because you know, Bill Snyder in the past had this scheduling thing of playing a bunch of patsies in the non-conference, and you guys are doing that again. Southeast Missouri, Troy, and now Missouri. <laughs> back to back to back. What is is this the Bill Snyder scheduling model coming back again? I tell you what, Todd, like I've been spending the better part of the last year ever since K-State beat Mizzou 40-12 to last year in Manhattan – uh, really digging at Mizzou fans. And it's been, it's, it's turned into quite the hobby. And I don't know that I've had as good a dig as that. Like that caught me off guard. That was, that was pretty good there. Um, and I, I was actually, you know, we, we were making the joke early on actually. So they played SEMO Southeast Missouri. We were like, all right, well, you know, that was a, it's a preseason. They're number 11. They were a preseason uh, FCS. I'm not sure what they are now, but we were like, look, that's almost a top 10 FCS team. That's clearly the toughest team from the state of Missouri on the schedule this year. Uh, so, you know, we, we tried to find a way, but you just did it better. You won up to me there. I appreciate that. Well, seriously, you know, Kansas state right now, they seem to me to be one of the more underrated teams in the country. And I'm guessing as a K state alum and as someone who's followed this team and kind of just knowing what I know about Chris Kleiman, that's exactly where they want to be. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, my whole journey with K state football has been very interesting because so I was born in 1989, which is the year that Bill Snyder showed up in Manhattan. So I grew up with, I mean, I fell in love as a kid. I mean, you know, I was going to games two, three, four years old. I grew, I was coming to my adolescence in the era when they won 11 games, six out of seven years, and were competing for a conference championship every single year and came within a whisker of the national championship and then went through a lull when I was in college. And then I start covering the team on a full-time basis in 2011, which 2011, 2012, they have double-digit win seasons. They got to number one in the BCS in 2012. Uh, so I've been there for some really high highs up close. And then I saw the deterioration as I was working it and in the trenches every day of, of Snyder 2.0, just slowly but surely coming back down. And, and I'm not going to lie, in 2018, 
it was a rough year. It was a rough year on the beat. Uh, that was a Bill Snyder has a famous clip uh, cussing me out a little bit at one of those press conferences. Like he did not, he was not really friendly with us. And I thought maybe an apology note on letterhead handwritten. I don't think I will ever be receiving one of those. Okay. No, I do not think I will get one of the handwritten purple diagonal notes. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. Um, but I just thought this program's pretty far away, man. I, and, and, the whole narrative of nobody can win there except Snyder. And then Chris Kleiman was not a super popular hire at first when he, you know, comes over and people are like oh, North Dakota state, like kind of looking down their nose at that, which seems ridiculous now in hindsight, but that's what it was. And I just, I cannot say enough about how kleiman has been able to do it in basically the same, but different way that Bill Snyder did. Like a lot of the tenants are the same. He's a pretty soft-spoken guy that doesn't necessarily want a ton of attention um, in fact, I think that's one of the things that really keeps him in Manhattan and not looking at other jobs is they don't make him go do a bunch of like forward facing stuff with fans. He just wants to coach ball and uh, he's been great at it. He's had great assistance that he's been able to retain. Uh, but at the same time, he does it in a way that's like applicable in 2023, which is being a coach's or, or a player's coach as opposed to Snyder, like the my way or the highway sort of approach. Like he has the kind of adapted version of what Bill Snyder was to 2023 that makes it palatable to have remarkable roster retention. I mean, that's a, in today's day and age, like, you know, Deuce Vaughn, you think he didn't have suitors coming after him every year that he was in school? And they they keep guys like that around in an era where that's pretty tough to do, and it's because of the culture that he's built with that program. So, yeah, just part by part, bit by bit, they've upped the recruiting. They've, they're recruiting at a much higher level than they have in years uh, right now, which is – it's not going to blow you out of the water when you go look at the rankings – but they don't need that. They just they needed a little better talent than what they were doing at first, which was winning them seven or eight games. And now that's why you're seeing them kind of take the next step right now. You mentioned um, player retention, and we're obviously in an era of the portal. And you you saw K-State basketball use that to its advantage last season, right? I mean, in basketball, going in the portal is a must. I mean, you can't win unless you go into the portal nowadays. In football, it's a little bit different. You can still build a roster and try to retain players. Just in general, how different are the mindsets and the the way the rosters are built between Jerome Tang and Chris Kleiman? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, they're both, I think, doing an, an excellent job at working the portal. You know, I mean, like I think under talked about thing right now, K-State's kind of, I know maybe on the fringe of the top 25 in basketball and some of what I'm seeing right now, I think they're going to be pretty good, man. They got Arthur Kaluma's a stud that they got from Creighton. They got Tyler Perry, great player from North Texas. Like they, they use that. Yeah. They, they use he, that. But he, then at the, hey, he's, Tyler Perry's an Oklahoma kid. So we always root for that's him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love him and I love his attitude. I'm so excited to watch him play. But they're doing that at the same time with the best. It, no one's even talking about the fact that they're bringing in the best high school recruiting class that they've had in maybe since the days of like Michael, the Michael Beasley, Jacob Pullen, Bill Walker era. And it's because they have these great transfers. So I, Jerome Tang's figured out the way to, to do both. Uh, Chris Kleiman, I think, has done both. Like Will Howard, who's the quarterback right now, is a guy that's just been developed over four years in the program. And now all of a sudden is a very productive, pretty good Big 12 quarterback. But at the same time, they had the preseason offensive player, the uh, offensive newcomer of the year in the Big 12, and Treshawn Ward. This is a transfer from Florida State that they were able to go get and kind of sell the success of Deuce Vaughn to, to go get him in the fold. So um, they've done a lot. That Three years in a row now, they've sent a transfer defensive back to the NFL, and I think they feel pretty good about another in Marcus Siegel, who comes over from uh, uh, North Dakota State. 
So like they they are are really good at it right now. And the other I think they have the best freshman class right now that K-State football has had since probably Bill Snyder's first stint. And you're seeing that already on the field through the first two games. And so it's mixing and matching. Like I think they have a really good feel for how it is that you need to win at K-State right now. And I just don't I, I don't think that you could make any argument that there's ever been a better combination of coaches at K-State right now. Like when when Snyder was there. Snyder, Frank Martin, you got that for just a little bit, but it was Snyder 2.0 trying to build it back up. Um, I mean, there's just really no argument for any anybody else right now. And I don't know that they'll ever have a better basketball coach than Jerome Tang. I mean, I'm that high on him. So it's just there's a lot of synergy going on right now at K-State. I won't stand for the Bruce Weber slander. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You said Will Howard's been there developing for four years, right? Yeah, yeah, 2020. That's a lie, John. He's been there for at least nine years. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, well, I'm serious. It feels like he's been there forever. Yeah, well, he got he got thrown into the fire in 2020. It was the COVID season, which is, you know, Climate has gone eight wins, eight wins, ten wins. The one blip was COVID when they – was that three? I think it was like three and six. Anyway, just a mess well, of a big, year. Well, the big highlight was winning in Norman that year with half the secondary positive with COVID. You're right. They could barely field a roster, and that happened a couple times that year. And, it, you know, a game in Ames in particular, they probably shouldn't have played, but they felt an obligation to let the guys go get a game in, and they got just spanked by Brock Purdy and Reese Hall and that really good Iowa State team. It was just a rough year all the way around, and, of course, the Skylar Thompson injury was a part of that. Will Howard got thrown into the fire way too early. Um, was You know, I mean, he was just a developmental true freshman that needed a lot of seasoning, and usually – nobody gets to see those warts. Those would be happening in practice. Instead, they're happening in Fort Worth, uh, for instance, when he gets first thrown into the action. So I, I feel bad for him. His development got really stunted. The fans developed a very negative opinion of him right away. And I think like he was fighting that for a solid like two years and it, it just wasn't really fair to him. But again, in an era where player retention is important, you think about all the guys that would have just transferred at that point, especially when last year they brought in Adrian Martinez, right? They bring in the guy that everyone makes fun of at Nebraska for not being good enough, they're bringing him in to replace you. And he still stuck it out and it it got him a big 12 championship and just an unbelievable performance in the back half of last year. And now, now he's the guy. So I just, I can't speak highly enough about him and his character and his growth and development and what he's done. And again, back to climbing, he loves his guys and he will stick by his guys. And there have been times where I would have said maybe to a fault, but I think now it's like you're seeing a lot of the fruits of that labor and obviously hap- happening at the quarterback position is as good as any. And it's because they stood by him. They consistently called him the best backup quarterback in the country a couple of years ago and fans really rolled their eyes, but it's worked out, man. He's, he's playing at a, a much, much, much higher level these days. Speaking of working out, wrapping this all back around to conference realignment. Uh, there, you know, I'm a big soccer fan, John. There's a there's a moment where these teams in the Premier League, which I love, are fighting for relegation, and there's that big sigh of relief when they are safe, right? We they've reached safety. They're not going to win, but they've reached safety. And K State and the rest of the Big Twelve has now been able to breathe that sigh of relief with the Pac-12 falling apart. So as we look forward, kind of a two part question: A, how do you like? what Brett Yormark and what the Big 12 have done in this new 16-team conference? And then B, how do you see Kansas State competing in this conference as time moves on? Like, is this not just a place where K-State can land in and survive, but maybe thrive as a team in the, in the new-look Big 12? Yeah, I think both both great questions. I, I guess I'll work backwards there. I mean, I, I think they definitely can thrive if they keep the coaches. I, I think that's that's the key is is retention. And I, 
obviously I, I worry much more about Jerome Tang than I do Chris Kleiman. I, the Kleiman thing, I mean, he was going around on the Catbacker tour this summer, which is like the, you know, kind of barnstorming, like take everybody around and talk to people in Scott city and wherever. Um, he was going around saying like, I'm going to end my career at, at K state. I mean, he's been publicly saying that to fans. And I think as long as Gene Taylor is there, the athletic director who obviously he was with at North Dakota state and hired him at K state, I, I don't think you're going to separate those guys. So I, I think for the time being. Now, I also don't think he's a guy that wants to coach until he is Bill Snyder's age when when he retired. So there's a timeline on that. But I think for now, you feel pretty good about that. And they absolutely can be as competitive as anybody in this new league, uh, the way things are rolling right now. Basketball, I just think, I, not that Jerome Tang doesn't love it here. I think he does. But that's just going to be a, it's a tougher putt. And I think he's competing at such an elite, elite level uh, at the top of the sport where I think they, he always talks about national championship, national championship. I mean, I think he could do it. I think he's good enough to do it and, uh, can bring the talent in there. And that, that's going to be a tough one, I think, to continue to fend people off and money becomes a factor there, which is the whole deal, right. With the sec and big 10 being able to have so much more TV money. I, I think coaches is one of the places where that can really show up, like being able to retain and lure away coaches. So that's, that's the one I think you worry about more, but as long as he is there, I think they'll be competing atop the league every year. I think it will be Baylor. I think it could look like Baylor is really what he could turn it into if he's there for a long time. So I think they definitely can compete. Um, and then as far as like just, you know, overall, like how do I feel about how it's worked out in K-State's kind of place in it? Yes, I think there is a sigh of relief. Like, okay, for now it appears this next iteration, however long this is going to last, you're going to be safe. I do still, just speaking for myself, I still just have a little twinge of like, yeah, but what's the next iteration going to look like? And we still have people like Trev Alberts wasn't that long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, the AD at Nebraska, he kind of said like, Hey, yeah, I think like 40 ish teams are going to be in the next. And I'm like, dude, if it's 40, I don't know. I don't know. And it's not, it's not a merit-based thing. Obviously we know that college athletics is not a meritocracy. It's just about geography and brand and all that stuff. So like, I think that's, that's what you worry about there. But as far as how it's worked out for the big 12 as a whole, I don't think you can complain at all with what your Mark's done. He called it like the dream scenario that worked out where they got the four, four corner schools in. I think it is a total dream scenario. And I honestly didn't think it would happen as much as I was in the weeds covering it every day. I did not think they were going to be able to get all four, but it worked out about as well as it, as it possibly could have. And I will say that with the caveat of like big picture. I mean, I don't like the fact that the PAC 12 blew up. Um, it was nice for the big 12 to get a win, but I would rather all the conferences just be intact and nobody have to have this stress, this existential threat uh, being there. But it's just unfortunately kind of a part of the deal these days. And so the reality is at a place like K-State, much as I love it, much as I think they do an excellent job maximizing their resources and so much better than many schools like Missouri, for instance, you know, in the SEC and where they're at. I think it'll always be an existential threat because you're, you're not a you're not a huge population area. You're one of two schools in the state. KU's the bigger school with the bigger brand because of the basketball program, and they're an AAU school. Like, there are just things working against K-State. So I think that's a part of why when you see K-State fans, like, you know, we have a reputation for being pretty angry online. Like, it's because there always is this – you always feel like you're fighting for your place at the table. And so even though there's a bit of an exhale, I still feel like you you are constantly still fighting for your respect in a, in a spot at the big boy table. Okay, rapid fire, short answers, Okay. Let's do it. Uh, new Big 12 location you're most excited about going to? Yeah, it's definitely Provo. Like, I definitely want to go check out. It just looks so gorgeous. Uh, so I, I'm sticking. I've been steadfast in that. I'm sticking with that. Tucson, a close second, though. Yeah, Manhattan does not look quite like Provo when it comes to topography. <laughs> no. uh, best place to have a beer in Aggieville? 
my spot was always Mojo's. It's a it's a beach bar. It's a little kitschy though. Uh, I would send you to if I were sending somebody from out of town somewhere, I would send them to Taco Lucha and make sure you get a Nancy, which is uh, it's old Milwaukee with pineapple juice. And uh, Ooh, okay. don't knock it until you try it. I like it quite a bit. Okay, okay. We've got a place around here called Edna's that does lunch boxes that are similar. It's like orange juice and Coors Light, and it's really yeah. Good. Yep. Uh, yep. Also okay. Good. Next, next one. This is an interesting little note for you. A little nugget. Only one other time in Big Twelve history, going all the way back to 1996, has more than one team started 0 and 2 in the regular season, and hmm. never has a team that started 0 and 2 in the regular season made it to a bowl game. Does Texas Tech make it to a bowl game this year? They start 0 and 2 after some people mentioning them preseason as a playoff sleeper. Is that an ambulance for George Klievkoff? Is that what's going on in the back? Man, I apologize. I am, I am right in the heart of downtown KC. So, yeah, there's, there's always some crazy stuff going on. Um, what was the question again? My bad. Texas, Texas Tech. Do they make a oh, Tech, game? Tech. Yeah, I think, I think Tech will. I think if you ask me that question about Baylor, uh, I'm not so sure about that one. I, Tech showed me some fight, man, against Oregon. And I, I, I believe in Joey McGuire. I think Tyler Shuck is still pretty good if he can stay healthy. I think Tech will get to a bowl game. All right, and last question. I get actually two more. One, are the Chiefs going to be okay? Is Kadarius Tony going to catch a pass the rest of the year? You're a big Chiefs oh, guy too, right? Kadarius Tony. Uh boy. Uh yes, I think they'll be fine. Uh I got it helps to get Chris Jones back, although I mean, big time L for his agents the way all of that worked out. Uh and then try Kelsey, Kelsey's going to be back. I think he's he's a huge key there. Like they'll be fine. Now when I say fine, I think they'll be like 12 and 5, make the playoffs and have a puncher's chance. I, I would not predict them to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think they will be like missing the playoffs or anything dreadful. Like it may have appeared there as right. Darius Tony played the worst game in wide receiver history. Well, I'm a Packers fan and we're going to win it all this year. I can already tell you after one week. Uh, last one for you, John. Now that it's all shaken out, you're an outsider. You've got a true outsider's perspective on this, but you also have some insider knowledge because you've seen these two teams here recently. How do you think in the next five years, starting with next year in 2024, OU and Texas shake out in the SEC? And I know I'm asking you that right after Texas just went and won at Alabama. Yeah, I feel like I've flip-flopped on this so many times. At first, it was like, well, look, I mean, obviously Oklahoma is going to be in better shape. Uh, I've had this feeling come back with Texas where I'm like, I, I, I just I hate to admit it. Their whole talking point of like, we don't get up for playing Iowa State, KU, you know, whatever. It's it's hard for us to be motivated week in, week out playing teams like that. We can get up for Alabama, LSU, Georgia, things like that. I'm like, you know what? I actually think there probably is something to that. And that's why Texas has struggled so much in the Big 12. I think they will be a little better than people expect. And I thought Oklahoma would be a little worse than people expect. But I will credit Shehan Jayaraja from CBS Sports having a conversation with him where he kind of looked me in the eye and was like, dude, I feel like people just underestimate like how well oiled of a machine that's been at Oklahoma and how much synergy there is in the athletic department and that operation. So I'm kind of back to, I think they'll both be honestly about the same somewhere like eight to 10 wins ish a year, but probably not up at the tip top of the league. Like I think they will be making regular playoff appearances in the expanded playoff, but I don't think either one is going to run the league necessarily. All right, John, before we get you out of here, tell everybody about how they can check out your YouTube channel. Um, I know all the uh, subscribe button clicks, all the likes and all the comments matter to you. Tell them where they can find your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. So it's just my name on YouTube, John Kurtz, J-O-H-N-K-U-R-T-Z. Live shows twice a week on there. It's all Big 12 and conference realignment focused. Uh, Got a great community of people that's there. They're really fun, pretty lively. 
Um, and then if you're a K-State fan, if you want K-State content specifically, uh, it's just the three ma podcast. So like EMA, like we say with a three. Um, so it's on KC sports network. You can find it wherever it is. You get your podcast and then, uh, follow me on, I, I guess I'll, I, I'll still call it Twitter. Do it, uh, do it. Come on, yeah. no, do it, John, call it X. You can follow me on X at, uh, at JL Kurtz, J L K U R T Z. Uh, same thing on thread. I'm on threads too. I think it's the same thing. Honestly, I don't even remember. I haven't been on lately. So can I be honest with you? I signed up for threads and I don't think I've been back on since. So yep. Same here. Pretty much. I kind of forgot about it. Well, John, I appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll definitely check in with you. I hope I didn't curse your uh, Wildcats this week against the uh, the Tigers with that little dig I took at them earlier. But there's listen, there's always been honestly one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with in this business as far as dealing with a coach. And Bob Stoops is certainly up there. But a guy that I dealt with more was Lon Kruger. I mean, oh, yeah. he seriously, is one of the nicest human beings ever. And both those guys have a K State uh, tie-in. Um, you know. I knew a lot of people that were K-State fans, still know people that go up there and tailgate. So I've always had a little soft spot for the uh, the Wildcats, not so much the uh, Jayhawks. So um, I think I I think I speak for a lot of people in this state that we're happy to see that say that Kansas State uh, did not end up in the situation that Washington State and Oregon State look to be in right now because it certainly looked like that may have been the case. So, um, yeah, best of luck this weekend. I appreciate you joining me, man. Hey, anytime. Had a blast, man. All right, thanks to you for listening to the Todd Pod. Don't forget, you can subscribe right here on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube. Smash the like button. I think that's what the kids say nowadays. Hit subscribe as well. Uh, Leave a comment. Go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find the Todd Pod. Just search the Todd Pod, two Ds in Todd, one D in Pod. And uh, again, give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends about us. Tell your enemies if you hate us. And a big thank you to Jacqueline Musgrove, our producer, to Michael Lane, our creative director, and thanks to John Kurtz for joining me tonight. Until then, we'll talk to you next time on The Todd Pod.